0: 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1 And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the land. This is the third year of drought, when God commanded Elijah to tell the rain to stop because of the sins of Israel, because they were committing pagan sacrifices. You might ask, why did God tell Elijah to tell the rain to stop? It illustrates how powerful the Word of God is. But again, it has to be God's Word and not our own. The problem today is that a lot of people think that they can make up what God's Word is, and then they speak it and it doesn't come true. And it's because it's really their own Word. But Elijah spoke what God commanded him to speak. It's similar as when God told Moses to speak to the rock in Horeb so that water would come out. The commandment was to speak so that the people would understand how powerful the Word of God is. And Jesus Christ is the Word of God. That is his identity. God is telling Elijah to go and present himself to the wicked King Ahab so that God will bring rain again. 2. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and the famine was sore in Samaria. Samaria is Ahab's capital that he set up, and it's a pagan capital. For He's the king of the ten tribes of Israel. He is not the king of Judah. 3. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. He is obedient to the Lord. 4. For it was so, when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. He took a hundred prophets and hid them in two caves, fifty in each cave. Remember the Israelites had dug caves into the mountains when they were fighting against the pagans many generations ago. These caves still exist and the Israelites keep using them whenever they need to flee from their enemy. But the good servant Obadiah was hiding prophets in the caves so that the king wouldn't kill them, because Ahab and Jezebel hate the prophets, especially Elijah. 5. Because the prophets always tell them to repent. 5. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go through the land unto all the springs of water, and unto all the brooks. Peradventure we may find grass, and save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts." King Ahab is commanding Obadiah to go look for springs so that they can at least water the animals. Because if their cattle dies, then they won't have any food to eat. 6. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. They're both searching for springs. 7 And as Obadiah was in the way, meaning as he was searching, Elijah met him, and he knew him and fell on his face and said, Is it thou my lord Elijah? Elijah is the greatest of all the prophets at this time, but there is a school of prophets that we will hear again about later, and that is why there is a hundred prophets. 8 And he answered him, It is I, go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. 9 And he said, Wherein have I sinned that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? Obadiah knows that Ahab hates Elijah. In the Bible, all prophets tell the people to repent, including John the Baptist, Paul, Jesus himself, Moses, Elijah, Samuel. Every single prophet in the Bible told the people to repent of their sins. That's another clue how we know that most prophets today are not really genuine prophets because they don't tell people, God wants you to stop sinning. John the Baptist had his head cut off because he told the king to stop sinning. Elijah had to run for his life because he told Ahab to repent. Real prophets are often in danger. Today's prophets are not in any danger. They get all kinds of money from people. They're treated like royalty. So they're not prophets. And as the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. Ahab had even had his henchmen go search for Elijah in the neighboring pagan countrysides. And he made the neighboring pagan kings promise him that Elijah wasn't there. Meaning that he'll retaliate if it turns out that Elijah is there. Now Elijah has been hiding for three years. God told him to command the rain to stop. And then he told him to go hide in the wilderness and that the ravens would bring him food every day. Well, that went on for three years. And now Elijah is coming back to the king. 11. And now thou sayest, go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. This is still Obadiah talking. 12. And it will come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry thee whither I know not. So when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he will slay me, but I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Obadiah is afraid that after he tells Ahab that Elijah is there, that Elijah will be translated Meaning that he will be taken from God into a different place. And then Ahab will kill Obadiah because he won't be able to find Elijah. And he'll think that Obadiah was lying to him. And he pleads and says, I've followed the Lord my whole life. Don't let this happen to me. Translation. That is when God picks you up, body and soul, and takes you to another place. The person getting picked up can't help it. They have no control or choice or power over It's something that God does. In the Bible, it happens a few times, and every time it happens, it's God's choice alone. The prophet never has any say in the matter. Elijah has been translated in the past, and that's why Obadiah thinks it will happen again. God would translate somebody so that they would go and preach the gospel or tell people to repent in a different location from where they were. The examples of this happening are here where Obadiah says it it would happen to Elijah, meaning it had to have happened before he said this, otherwise he wouldn't be saying this. And then Elijah gets translated into heaven at the end of his time on earth. He never dies. We'll be reading about this in several chapters that he gets translated into heaven, meaning that God picks him up, body and soul, and takes him to heaven without him dying. Now, this also happened to Enoch in the book of Genesis. We read that Enoch was translated from earth to heaven. Enoch never died either. And in the New Testament, it also happens to the apostle Philip. He was baptizing a man from But after he got done baptizing the man, he was translated instantly into a different town. So there are a few cases of this happening in the Bible. Now don't confuse translation, which is from the Lord, and it's a miracle. And only God can decide it and do it. Don't confuse that with teleporting, which is science fiction, which only happens in the movies. And it's based on your particles will disintegrate, and then they'll appear again in a different place. That's not true. There's also out-of-body experiences, and those are caused by serious trauma, and those are satanic. It's when you disassociate and your soul leaves your body. So don't confuse it with that, because that's a satanic trauma, where the soul leaves the body. And then the final thing not to confuse it with is, Is astral projection. Astral projection is witchcraft. And that is when Satan allows a witch or a guru or a new age person, somebody who's in the occult, to leave their body, for their soul to leave their body. And then they can go around and practice witchcraft in different places. Now, with astral projection, what makes it different is the soul is leaving the body. So it's also a form of satanic trauma. But also, The person whose soul leaves, they are actually making a choice to leave. They have control over it. And they've been given this control from Satan. It's a demonic power that allows them to be able to do this. In the Bible, we have translation only, which is when... You have no control over it. God does it to you. Your soul remains in your body, and both your soul and your body are translated to a different place for the purpose of sharing the gospel or telling people to repent. And that's the only purpose it's ever done in the Bible. Or for the purpose of you going to heaven without dying, which happened to Enoch and Elijah. So I just want to be clear. When people talk about astral projection, they are talking about witchcraft and it's totally different because the soul leaves the body, and they leave for the purpose of practicing witchcraft, and putting curses over different areas, and different regions, and they're being given that power by demons, or Satan, and they know they're given that power too, because they have to do a lot of nasty stuff for Satan to be allowed to astral project. Just making it clear. We're talking about translation. 13. Was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? Obadiah not only is hiding a hundred prophets, but he also is bringing food to them. And Jezebel is Ahab's wife, who is queen over Israel. And she is a full-blown pagan who absolutely hates God and hates all of God's servants. 14. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he will slay me. 15. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. 16. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab, and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Elijah promised Obadiah, I'm not going anywhere because the Lord brought me here, so he isn't going to take me away, because he brought me here to speak to Ahab. And then Obadiah went and told Ahab, and Ahab and Elijah are now speaking face to face. 17 And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Is it thou thou troubler of Israel? King Ahab called Elijah a troublemaker. Ahab is the one who is in the wrong, Elijah is the one who is serving the Lord. Ahab blames Elijah for the drought and the famine, but it isn't Elijah's fault. God ordered this because of Ahab's sin, because he won't repent of his paganism. 18, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Balaam is the demon that they sacrificed their children to. 19 Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of Asherah 400, that eat at Jezebel's table. Elijah is commanding Ahab saying, Let's get together all of your false pagan prophets against me. And Asherah is another pagan god that requires prostitution. Twenty And Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. Elijah is saying, I want them to meet me at Mount Carmel. And he also wants all of Israel to stand around and watch what happens. 21 And Elijah came near unto all the people, and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. And the people answered him not a word. They were dumbstruck, because he was calling them out on their hypocrisy. And he was saying, You can't ride the fence. Either serve the real God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or keep serving Baal. The Israelites wanted to have all their pagan rituals and still expect God to bless them. And that is why he withdrew the reign. 22 Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now there are other prophets, but they are all in hiding. And Elijah is saying, I am the only one against 450. 23. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, meaning two bull calves, and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. Elijah is allowing them to pick the smaller bull. You'll see why here in a minute. They each have to build their own altar and lay the wood on the altar to burn the sacrifice. They're going to butcher the animal. Cut it up in pieces and lay it on top of the wood. And call ye on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. This is a contest. It's really awesome because God actually allowed a contest of him against the demon gods. And Elijah said, You guys, let's make an agreement. Whichever God sends down fire on the altar to burn up the sacrifice without us lighting the fire for him, that's the God that will serve. The Israelites agree to this. 25 And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. The only thing they can't do is light the sacrifice themselves on fire. They have to wait for their God to light it on fire. 26. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning, even until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they danced in halting wise about the altar which was made. Danced in halting wise. That sounds like the way the Indians dance. You know how they kind of take a step and stop, step and stop. Sounds like that. They danced before it. They prayed for probably at least six hours. And of course nothing happened. 27 And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them, meaning he made fun of them, and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god, either he is musing, or he is gone aside, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awaked. Elijah is now making fun of them and their gods. And he's saying, You need to scream louder so that your god can hear you, because He's either daydreaming or he's going to the bathroom or he took a trip out of town or he's asleep and you need to wake him up. So either way, you need to scream really loud. And this is totally facetious on Elijah's part. 28. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with swords and lances till the blood gushed upon them. There are tribes in Africa and some other places and there's people in America who cut themselves. This is an ancient pagan ritual. That's one of the reasons why cutting yourself isn't good, because it's what the pagans did. They're harming themselves to try to get their God's attention, but still nothing happens. 29 And it was so when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening offering. But there was neither voice, nor any answer, nor any that regarded. Now they're prophesying. There's a lot of New Age people in the Christian churches today who will prophesy night and day, but nothing ever happens that they say is going to happen. And this is what's happening here with these false prophets. They're prophesying, saying, our God is going to come in one minute. Our God is going to light the fire in five minutes. In the next hour, our God is going to consume this bull. But nothing happens. 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was thrown down. In the past, there had been a Jewish altar to the real God that had been broken down. So he put all of the stones back together, the unhewn stones, and they watched him do it. Because enough time had passed waiting on the pagan God to show up. 31. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. This altar is built made of twelve stones, one for each tribe. 32. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as wood contained two measures of seed. This is a really large trench that he's putting around the altar. Now the pagans didn't have a trench around their altar. All they had was wood. Thirty-two, and he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid it on the wood. Thirty-four, and he said, fill four jars with water. These aren't the kind of jars that you and I have at home. These jars are the size of a human being, and they could hold like 150 pounds of water each. These are massive jars. And he says, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time, and they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time, and they did it the third time. Now, each time, four of these huge jars of water have been poured on top of the offering. Twelve of these massive jars. At this point, the offering is drenched, the wood is drenched, the altar is drenched, the trench is completely full and running over, and the ground all around the trench is soaked in water. Because all of that water would probably go over the trench. 35. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. The trench was totally full. 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening offering that Elijah the prophet came near. It took a while from noon until the evening offering. It took that many hours, which might be another four hours, for them to get Elijah's altar ready. That Elijah the prophet Came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Elijah is praying out loud in front of the people so that they can hear him, and he's praying that God will show himself to all the people so that they know that Elijah is a true prophet, but more importantly, that they know who the true God is. 37. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou, Lord, art God, for Thou didst turn their heart backward. So he's asking God to cause the people to repent by showing himself. 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. This means that the fire that came down from heaven was so intense... I don't know how hot this was, but this was hotter than anything natural on earth. It instantly consumed not only the animal, but also the wood and the stones. When that fire left and went back to heaven, even the stones were gone. The water was gone. Everything was gone. 39 And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They can't stop proclaiming that there is only one God. 40 And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and slew them there. Elijah is commanding the people to kill the pagan prophets. This also happened in Moses time, when Moses and the Levites killed the pagan priests that were in Israel. Some people would say, well that's not very nice. But you know what? If they weren't killed, they would have continued causing other people to sin and leading more people astray. They were already going to hell. They didn't want to repent. But if they were allowed to keep living, then they would cause more people to go astray and not repent. God hates violence, but in the Old Testament, whenever he commanded violence, it was to wipe out people who their acts were more violent and doing more damage than killing them would do. And also he always commanded it when they wouldn't repent anyway. 41 And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Now Elijah is prophesying that the rain is coming, and he knows the rain is coming because God told him it's coming. The people have repented, and that was all that God required to send the rain again. God doesn't ask much. He only asks us to stop sinning. He doesn't want us to climb mountains or become millionaires or have a perfect body or do anything spectacular. All he wants is very simple. He just wants us to stop sinning. That's it. God doesn't ask for much. 42. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Instead of being prostrate, which is when you're flat on the ground with your face and your bellies touching the ground, he's actually putting his face to the ground, but he's not prostrate. He's in a bowing position. This could be because he's on a mountain and it's too hard for him to lay flat, so he's doing it by bending over his legs that are folded. And now he's praying to God to worship him and ask for the rain. 43 And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. Seven times he told his servant to go and look for the rain cloud above the sea coast. On the seventh time is when the servant sees it. That is because seven is God's holy number of completion. 44 And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a cloud out of the sea, as small as a man's hand. So it was really tiny and really far off. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Make ready thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Elijah knows that rain is going to come in really hard and really heavy. He tells his servant boy, go and run to King Ahab and tell him to get on his chariot now and race home before the storm starts because he doesn't want to get caught in the storm. 45, and it came to pass in a little while that the heaven grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezebel. He went home to his wicked wife, and God saved his life out of the storm. God is so merciful because Ahab in his heart has not repented, even though the people of Israel repented, and now a lot of the false prophets have been killed. But Jezebel hasn't repented, and Ahab hasn't repented. Yet God has spared him another day, and allowed him to go home to his evil wife. 46. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Jezreel is a town. God put his hand on Elijah so that Elijah could supernaturally run very fast ahead of Ahab's chariot, meaning that Elijah was running faster than Ahab's horse. So, of course, this is supernatural. This isn't normal. Kind of like when God gave Samson great strength and Samson never went to the gym once. He just had great strength because it was a miracle from the Lord. And it's a miracle that Elijah is able to run ahead of Ahab's chariot. In the next chapter, we'll find out what happens when Elijah and Ahab make it to the town of Jezreel. And that concludes 1 Kings chapter 18.